The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Benched with Bubba, episode 386. Got a special show on tap tonight. Another returning guest, a friend of the show, a friend of mine, a friend of everybody's. You can find him on Twitter at Yancey Eaton. Yancey, how are we doing, my friend? I'm doing well. I'm going to be honest with you, though. That intro was pretty mild compared to uh, the last time I was on. <laughs> oh, no, because we're going to get in. We're going we're to have some fun here. I can... The man that read, I'm going to do it over again. I, I, I can take two. No, 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 never, never. I'm just joking. Yeah. I, I, I say that that was a, a tame intro, but I actually hate whenever I come on a podcast and they're just kind of like gushing about you. And, you know, like I don't really contribute much as far as content goes. So it's like, okay, is this really deserving? I'm not like building models or like helping people win their leagues or anything like that. Like I'm just kind of a, a person that's here, just happy to be invited on podcasts occasionally. But uh, anyways, how are you, Bubba? What's, what's good in the hood? I'm good. Just living the dream, uh, working in baseball. We're supposed to get baseball back tonight, but we'll get into that in a minute. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, just kind of enjoying the last few days. This, uh, I did a golf podcast on Monday, but this is my first show since, uh, let's say, uh, Friday night. So it's, it's been nice to take a little breather from things. Mm-hmm. Do you uh, do this every year? Do you always take off a little bit of a, a sabbatical, a little holiday yeah. for content? I try to because it's like, especially this year, it's, it's anywhere from two to four podcasts a day, Sunday through Thursday. So I'm just yeah. like... <laughs> I just, it sounds like i'm taking a break find a break got the little one do stuff like yeah. that i've said this every time i come on the podcast with you like i actually don't know how you're so prolific and you're able to do so much because you do have a child mm-hmm. every time i i 
you know, I, I've scaled back a little bit. Like there, there used to be months where like I would do six or seven podcasts in a month. And my wife was, was, you know, she's the best, but she's like, this is totally unsustainable. This is not good work-life balance. Like you're stressing out about it. I'm stressing out about it. Like you need to kind of like space it out a little bit more. But like nowadays, like I do one or two, you know, every couple of months and I'm like, oh my God, like I have a podcast coming up. Like I was stressing out last night, like worried about, you know, the podcast and stuff. But it's amazing that you're able to just pump out as much as you do. And, you know, you don't miss a beat with like family life and dad life and stuff, but man, I, I, I honestly, I don't know how people do it. It's, I'm so stressed out for my day job. It's just not, it's just not in the cards for me. Yeah, it's time management. It's not easy. It's just, I, I have a flexible schedule, which makes it convenient. And I, mm-hmm. uh, little sleep during the baseball season. That's kind of where, yeah. where things go. Like once the little one's in bed, you know, the wife's doing her thing with school and everything, then we can podcast. So it kind of works out in that angle. We'll see how many years it works in that angle, but that's what we have for now. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about a couple of little recent news things. Obviously we haven't had baseball in, in a few days, but we did have the NL, uh, MLB All-Star game. Did you enjoy it? Your boy Mike Zunino went deep. The AL, the yep. Rays could have home field advantage in the World Series again. Mm-hmm. I think these could be some big things for you. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I really enjoyed the home run derby. Um, really, really enjoyed it. I, I will say this much. I wish Shohei had gone a little bit farther than he than he did. Um, but so great to see uh, Trey Mancini do what he did. Um, I, he's just, just such an easy guy to root for. Um, Pete Alonso just, I mean, what more needs to be said? Like I, he, I just feel like he was built for the home run derby. Just, just unbelievable. And you know, I, I'm not the first person to say this. I've, I've heard this on 10 podcasts already, but the fact that he makes more money from the home run derby than he does playing all season for the Mets, that shows you that that is a structure that is inherently broken where, you know, this is a premier power hitter. And I know he hasn't replicated that, that rookie season, but just something doesn't, doesn't seem right where it's like a, a, you know, a, eight person you know exhibition that doesn't count for anything it's just for the fans kind of thing and you made more money than you do playing a hundred and you know 55 plus games and not including a month of spring training and whatever but um i really enjoyed the festivities i didn't watch the celebrity softball game i don't know if that's your bag i i completely skip out for that stuff but yeah it was awesome to see a mvz mike zanino hit a home run and you know kevin cash to be able to manage and stuff and it is it's gonna be really nice having home field advantage when we get back to the world series this year i'll say that much there you go and it was fun seeing vladito hit an absolute boom like moonshot to win the mm-hmm. MVP. And it was just fun seeing some of like, I know you've probably talked about it and I've talked about it. A lot of people talked about it, but just like the new youth of baseball that's out there. Like you mm-hmm. see Fernando Tatis Jr. You see the pictures with Freddie Freeman's kids. It's his favorite ball player. Or you see Vlad, like Vladito goes and asks for permission to talk to Shohei Otani because he wants to yeah. like talk like little things yeah. like that, that you're thinking you, you think of Vlad, you think, okay, he's like the stud of the Jays. Why is he asking for permission? But that's just the kind of like, it's kind of cool how it's all mm-hmm. there right now. And then the veterans were still there, but you had like this new wave coming up that you could kind of feel the excitement there. And it kind of fluctuated throughout the whole week of the mm-hmm. game. So that, that was kind of cool to see. And hopefully that continues. Hopefully baseball embraces that, but that's, a whole other podcast in itself to yeah. uh, to discuss something like that. Another couple little things here. We were supposed to get um, Jaron Duran day tonight. We'll get that hopefully mm-hmm. on Friday. Uh, what's your thoughts on him? Because everyone's pumped on him. Um, Jared Kalinick's getting called up again also. So we're getting both these guys back starting for the weekend, it looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, just a quick aside. It is super frustrating waiting to see what the starting uh, no pitching looks like. Oh, oh my God. Such a nightmare. And I mean, still, doing like 20 locks with, leagues. And... It's still locked without the Thursday game. It's locking tonight. Yeah, which which I understand from a technical standpoint, it yeah. it's something that I guess the NFPC couldn't overcome in the short term or something. I, I'm not exactly sure what what the issue is with it, but it is unfortunate. And 
and you know, for an organization that does mostly everything right, I think it's a little disappointing that NFBC still kind of had to do this because it's, I mean, it just makes for a bad experience, but in the grand scheme of things, it's one week. And, yeah. you know, if you're doing your homework, like I've been up on it, I almost feel like I didn't take an all-star break just because I'm, I'm trying to map out all of my pitching for the week, you know, as much as I possibly can. And you look on Rotowire starting pitcher grid, you look on fan graphs, it's a little different. You look on the NFBC side, I'm not sure exactly who their data provider is, but that's different too. So it's just been kind of a mess and I'm, I'm going to end up missing something. You know, I'm going to have a starter who I thought wasn't pitching over the weekend. And next thing you know, I miss like, you know, Luis Garcia throwing eight innings scoreless and striking out nine or something. But that's baseball. That's whatever. Um, what was your initial question that you asked me? <laughs> Jaron Duran Day and Kalinick's coming back. Are we are we excited for these young kids? It's kind of been a, a lull for most of these young guys of late mm-hmm. coming up. Yeah, um, I'm I'm not a prospect hound. I've never I've never really claimed to be. I there was a, a like a two year experiment where I was like, hey, I'm going to be like a dynasty league player, and I wasn't very good at it because I realized that it is literally a completely different game, and I just wasn't equipped for it. Um, so I mostly familiarize myself with like the top half of the top 100 or like the knocking on the door kind of thing, where like reasonable players that we expect to be called up this year, just just so I understand as a redraft player, but. Um, apparently, Jaron Duran kind of switched his profile a little bit where he started selling out a little bit for power. So he's hitting pe- for power, but he's given up a little bit of speed. But then I hear that, you know, he stole like 12 or 14 bases and like 50, 60 games, something like I, I don't even know what the what, what the pace is. But I mean, he just seems like a really intriguing player. It remains to be seen if it's going to be between him and Vidal Brujan, who makes more of an impact as kind of like a, a, a dual power speed threat. But um just the timing of this, you know, the fact that he plays for, you know, a big market team, the fact that they do have kind of like a glaring hole, uh, especially at leadoff. Like, I don't understand why they keep batting like Kike towards the top of the lineup. Um, I, I could see him going for a lot more than uh, Vidal. And I, I only have him in one of uh, 20 NFBCs. I just kind of added him in like the 50th round of one league just because I heard maybe it was like Zach Waxman on like the draft champagnes podcast or something talking about him, but I'm very underinvested and I wish I had a lot more, which kind of sucks. Um, but yeah, what do you think he does as far as playing time? Do you think he is out in the outfield? Sammy and I were talking about today. Um, I, I would I would like to see him play second base, but they they kind of seem enamored with Christian Arroyo. He's kind of turned it on recently. Well, former Giant, so it makes sense. But uh, and a former Ray, yeah, and a former yeah. Thanks to the Giants, that whole uh, yeah. uh, that whole deal. So yeah, yeah. Um, they are enamored with Arroyo. And he's playing better. He always was supposed to have the hit tool. I think they're still better off putting Kike at second base and putting Arroyo back to the bench. Maybe plays a second base, third base, maybe first base utility type role. Mm-hmm. And um, I think they're going to play Duran every day to start with. Otherwise, they wouldn't have called him up. So that's mm-hmm. that's the way I see it. Why let a guy lose at bats by sitting on the bench? So I think there, there's definitely something to like there. I am like you, though, where I tried at one point to be deep into the prospect world and with everything else is impossible for me. So I like I, I listen to the experts in that regard and I keep an mm-hmm. eye on things. So I have zero shares of Jared and Duran this year. And um, I probably won't have any because my fab's not the, in the greatest situation in a lot of leagues to go. Like I have a couple hundred bucks. That's not going to cut it probably in certain leagues. So um, I think he'll be good. I I want him to be good. I'm just kind of hesitant because clinic was supposed to be the next best thing and he struggled, but he's back up. I think he'll be better the second time that that's one thing for sure. Yeah. I mean, he's so we'll trying see, to cover we'll off the ball. Durant. I saw yeah. he's, he's slugging like 650 and triple he's crushing and it back down. Yeah, absolutely crushing it. It's crazy. Uh, one more like prospect question and it doesn't make a prospect analysis, but as a Ray, you, mm-hmm. you mentioned Vidal Brujan, Wander Franco's up. These are two guys that everyone's been talking about, but playing time's kind of been inconsistent there already with those two. From like yeah. a fantasy perspective, what are you like kind of hoping for in the second half if you're going to roster one of those guys? Um, so 
you're you're right about the playing time, especially with Bruhan, where it was like a, a weekend series and he, he was called up on a Thursday and he didn't play Friday or a Saturday. Um, I don't think it was just a situation where they called him up because it was, you know, he's a 26 man or there, you know, there was a double header or whatever. Um, I, I do think this team is going to look a lot different. I've said this on a, can't actually remember where I said this, but I think uh, <laughs> sometimes you just forget where you say yeah. things. Um, but I do think this race team looks a lot different in the next coming weeks. Um, lots of players, uh, you know, veterans that are going to be moved, uh, expiring contracts. Michael Walker likely going to be traded. Um, you know, Mike Brasso, he's already been DFA'd once, and then they called him back up. I, I, like, he's the type of player that's going to be gone. I see them moving G-Man because he doesn't have any options. Yandy Diaz is a, is a trade candidate. A lot of these veterans who aren't necessarily, like, huge impact players but are solid veteran contributors, I, I see the Rays trying to unload them for literally – anything just uh, you know even just a player to be named later just because they're trying to free up 40 man roster spots and then give these guys full run so i was a little surprised i i won vidal bruhan almost everywhere and i had very very low keep him honest bids uh, he didn't didn't go for a lot of money he was it was so strange so so strange and i think a couple in a couple weeks it might look pretty bad for the people that didn't bid on him my tgfbi league for example nobody bid on him and that's a league with some sharps jason collette and you know rob DiPietro. he's you know he's dusting us he's he has like a 135 points and he's, he's like so fourth good. overall so he's good. so unbelievable i was yeah. like texting like dude what is like what are you doing man but um long way of saying yeah i do think that uh he's gonna get a lot more playing time as they start moving some of these veteran pieces and um i want to have some i do want to have some i think the speed threat is is real okay good to know because yeah the the talent obviously leaps off the page when we see mm-hmm. the minor league stats i was just like kind of taking it back it's like okay you brought him up and they didn't even play him i was like that's kind of odd uh and another rate i know the rays love the platoon and there's not a lot of safe positions out there on the diamond but i figured if they made the call they're going to do it so we'll see i'll mm-hmm. take you, you obviously have your your ear to the the rays pulse a lot more than others so i'll uh yeah but yeah you like you mentioned though in a lot of leagues that i was in also not even runner-up bids for him it was very very surprising to see like i was yeah. just i i kind of mad at myself because i usually always keep keep modest bids out there but i was just lazy going okay i don't have the money there's no chance i'm going to get this guy i'm going to focus on my needs over here and mm-hmm. do that and it's just like huh, we'll see well, that, one, that one might uh, sting a little bit but um, that is a good that is a good lesson to your listeners yeah. is even yeah. whenever you don't think there is a realistic chance that you're going to get them at all just put in that one dollar bid especially in nfpc yeah. uh, you know in the aforementioned t- tgfbi league that i was just talking about i'm extremely fab poor already i had about a hundred dollars going into last week and i bid eleven dollars on him just literally like a keep him honest kind of bid and nobody else bid i could have got away with a one dollar yep. vidal ruhan and yep. still had, you know, a hundred something dollars in fab, but it is what it is. Yeah, no, like I tweeted it out on Sunday night that I'm at needs of saves, and we're gonna talk about saves later and how we've paid for saves and everything. But Heath Embry and I think Ranger Suarez were both on on the fab list, the waiver wire. And I literally put seven bucks out for each one, thinking, okay, I'll try. No runner up bids on either one. Yeah. I, I, I I'm just wondering if the all star break people just kind of forgot about fab and just kind of walked away. I don't know, mm-hmm. but very very surprising there's there's weird forces at play when it comes to fab i'm realizing like the level of distraction and and how you know there was a week where greg holland was going for triple digits this year right and then later in the year just because we're approaching the all-star break and people are starting to do you know scott fishbowl or fantasy football prep and you know what have you like things are falling through the cracks like keith Hembry had three saves in a week like he should have been going for triple digits and he didn't so Yeah. yeah just lots of weird stuff like that definitely uh the last thing is weird or sucks whatever you want to say is so we're supposed to have Thursday night baseball. That game got postponed because of COVID reasons on the Yankees. It came out Aaron Judge was the all-star that got popped for a positive test. Apparently they're all asymptomatic. So we'll see how that goes going forward with the testing. But it also means that the like Rafael Devers was told not to interview. He has to go get tested next. He was on the all-star team. 
So it's gonna be a domino effect. So basically, mm-hmm. I don't know how deep you want to go into the COVID thing, but um, you guys need to pay close attention on Friday before you set your lineups, basically, because it could get very interesting. Yeah, I mean, not just Judge either, but uh, it was uh, Urshela and Kyle Higashioka, yeah. which Higashioka, there was like a week there where we thought that Gary Sanchez was going to start supplanting time. And then, no, it actually didn't turn out to be like that at all. But um, I, I don't know about you, but I have a ton of Urshela, just like a, a very steady batting yep. average corner kind of place. Like I had to sub him out in five leagues right before we uh, recorded. But um, it's unfortunate. I don't want to go into the COVID stuff too much yeah. just because I've talked about COVID to death. But um, I understand that every player's situation is different and there's unique circumstances where, um, you know, whether you're dealing with health issues or fertility issues, what have you. But overall, um, those exceptions don't justify like the vast percentage of uh, Major League Baseball players who have elected not to get the vaccine. It's just because of um, not fully understanding what exactly it is that they're opting into or not. And that part is disheartening. So I'll just say that it's disheartening that we're still like dealing with this a year and a half into it. You have countries where people are literally like doing anything they possibly can. Like, did you see that? Like, who was it? Um, Vushik or what? What's the basketball guy? Basketball player's name? He was literally trying to buy them from America to send them to his home country because they oh, don't yeah. have access to vaccines. Whereas here in the United States, we're at a point now where we're throwing them away. It's just yeah. really unfortunate. But that's all I'll say on that. I, I could get super fired up about it, but I'm not going yeah. to. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll. There's a lot to be said on it, but we'll try to, like you said, we'll keep it, uh, we'll stick to yep. baseball for now. But uh, yeah, yeah it is it is crazy. So I'm just hoping that it's, uh, at least with technology we have now, what we've learned throughout the last year, I'm hoping that they can kind of get this figured out swiftly, mm-hmm. quickly, and maybe some more things get taken care of along yep. the way. So we'll, we'll go that route. But um, now it's, I believe it's uh, your turn. It's your turn, Nancy. So you have the floor. Yep. Yeah, so I like doing this. Um, it's nice to come on here every once in a while, and you just kind of let me like do the the semi host thing. Just let me kind of do whatever I want to do. Uh, the last time that you had me back on was on episode three hundred and fifty nine. It was right before the season started. Um, it was like a day or two. Actually, it was the night before the season started. I went back and re listened to the episode, took a bunch of notes and like little interesting things that we had said. And we're just going to kind of revisit some of those, and then uh, obviously we'll have some listener questions and stuff towards the end. Um, what is the episode that we're on right now? Three. We're on three eighty six, and I will say before you get started, so like your outline is well detailed and awesome, and I read okay. like your notes. Mm-hmm. I laughed so many times, going, "God, I was an idiot." So yeah. uh, we're, you guys are gonna yeah. have fun listening back on this because if you think analysts don't take accountability, you're about to get a whole lot of it right now. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so very first thing, we'll start at the top. Uh, we both predicted that there would be a last minute universal designated hitter, uh, but this was obviously wrong. There was not a hitter. Yeah. Um, so there's nothing actionable there. Like, what are we going to do? But looking forward, do you think that we're going to see a universal DH in 2022? I know it has been a major talking point uh, for both sides, uh, you know, the owners versus the players union. Like, this is like one of the main bargaining chips that we're going to see, you know, be used and put in play. So what do, you, what do you think? The season starts, assuming there's no stoppage. Do we have a universal DH in 2022? Yes, we do. Because if there's no stoppage, that means they got a collective bargaining agreement agreed upon and in the new collective bargaining agreement i believe there will be a dh even manfred kind of hinted at it at his little state of the union at the all-star game saying it's definitely a, a, an important issue but not a major issue so it should be an easy issue to basically take care of and uh, now i believe him as much as you want that's a whole nother debate but yeah. uh, the fact that he even brought it up during that it's like it's obviously one of the bigger check marks on the list of the agreement it's going to happen because the players want it for many reasons. A, pitchers don't need to be hitting because they get hurt. B, it betters the game. If you want more offense, obviously get the pitcher out of there. C, it opens up, uh, what, 15 more jobs or whatever. Like, there's just a long yeah. list of things that it does. So, yeah, there, there will be a universal DH. I want to say yes as well, but I thought for sure it was going to happen last time. And 
with both sides seemingly so far apart on like the early negotiation rounds, like the, the early talking points as far as the CBA goes, um, at, at this point, I'm, I'm going to veer towards the pessimistic side and just say no. I'm going to say that most of the things stay the same. And I think we have some sort of like weird, like one season bridge CBA. I don't think we have some sort of long term deal because both sides are just going to want to you know, blow yeah. the whole thing up. So I think to avoid a work stoppage, we see something that looks very similar to what we've had in the last, you know, however long the CBA was running out. I hope you're right. Cause I'm terrified. Like I've talked about, I think with Toby and some other guys yeah. on recent shows, um, it's scary feeling the way things are lining up for this potential off season. Like it just doesn't look good, but I hope you're right. Like I'm being pessimistic in that regard where you were much more optimistic. So I'm hoping you're right. I'll take, I'll take a blanket CBA. Just keep playing baseball. Just keep playing baseball. So I'm with you there. Yeah. Um, All right. Next, next, a little talking point. So manager Joe Girardi named Hector Neris as the closer right before the season started. Um, I, took a victory lap for taking Jose Alvarado like past pick 700 in multiple leagues. I was pumping myself up like, you know, hell yeah, he's going to get a bunch of saves in that bullpen. Bubba, you mentioned picking up Alvarado and TGFBI during the first week of fab. Uh, the Phillies bullpen has obviously been atrocious. It has been a complete revolving door as far as roles. And we think we know who it is and it's just all around. It's been a nightmare. Um, this last fab run we mentioned at the top of the show, Heath Embry got a bunch of saves in a week. Uh, Moving forward, do you think that Hembry is the guy? Do you think he holds on to it? Or do you think that it's we're going to see more of the same, whereas it's just a revolving door as far as the Phillies' closure job goes? Well, for my week, recent week in Fab, I'm hoping Heath Henry runs away with it, but I, I think it's right? a revolve. I hope it's a revolving. I think it's a revolving door. You know, for a while there, he looked really good with Alvarado. Even if he wasn't getting the saves, he was a lights out ratio, strikeouts, things yeah. look golden, kind of the things we talked about on that show. Like things are good. And don't forget, Hembry's in Cincinnati, by the way. Ranger oh, Suarez. I, I, Ranger Suarez is the Philly guy. Uh, this is why you're the best in the business, yeah. Bubba. I had the triple check. So like, it's got to be Ranger Suarez, <laughs> but we're talking Henry. So I'm going to talk Henry because I think Henry holds on to that Cincinnati rule. I'm with that one. But Perfect. Ranger Suarez. Philly, yeah, yes. the Phillies continue to be a, a dumpster fire is what you mean. Yes, it's a dumpster fire because you have Naris, who I wouldn't be shocked if somehow he sneaks back in there. I really wouldn't be because he was so bad even last year. And eventually he got back into the role and kept doing his thing. Um, you have Archie Bradley, who they paid. So there's a chance he can always sneak in there. even though he's been bad. Mm. Alvarado's Alvarado, but Suarez has been good. So it could be like a lefty-righty thing where uh, Suarez and Neris get some love there. I honestly think Neris ends up with the most still. Like I just have a weird feeling like they're going to let him take a breather for a little bit. Suarez mm-hmm. will get a little run here, but he'll struggle, and then Neris will get a shot again because that's what just feels that way. I like that. From a game theory standpoint, if you guys can afford to roster him, like it's probably wise to just go ahead and add Hector Neris now. And yep. in two weeks, you might be getting saves again. So I like yep. that a lot. Um, we talked about George Springer's oblique injury. It was announced right before the season started as well. Um, I said, quote, I don't think it's going to be a super long stint on the IL. Uh, and I anticipate it will only be a minimum stay of 10 days. That was LOL. Bubba, you didn't offer an opinion on his specific timetable. Um, but let's revisit kind of what he's been doing this year going to the All-Star break. He has played in exactly 20 games. He has five home runs and one stolen base. And he's batting 194. Uh, what is your outlook for George Springer for the rest of the season? Do you think that he's back and he is going to, my wife just dropped something really loud. Honey, are you okay? I don't know if she's okay. I'm, <laughs> I'll take that silence as she's okay and that the TV didn't fall on top of her. Good. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> what is your outlook for George Springer for the rest of the season? And uh, do you think that he stays healthy? I mean, that's he, there was massive draft capital that was spent on him. He's early round pick, um, you know, what, what do you think of him? And, you know, are you looking to trade him? Or are you looking to add for him? If somebody's kind of disgruntled and want to get out from underneath it, what do you think? I would trade for him, but 
don't expect the you know free agent masher to show up. But uh, if you look at his like his stat cast page, he has the most barrels. Uh, his barrel percentage is the highest of his career. His max EV is the highest of his career. Um, the X stats point to positive gains. Still not outstanding. Like you know he's hitting 194 with the XBA is 212. Not great, but there's still things to to like there. The biggest thing is his hard hit rates down. He's striking out a ton. So if you can make a tweak at the plate, plate discipline wise, potentially mm-hmm. that could lead to more production. That offense is still going to be so loaded. Just don't expect stolen bases. But I think the overall like runs, RBIs, power potentials there with um, with Springer. And if you can get him on the cheap, I would definitely do it. Just because even if he gets hurt, you got him on the cheap. And there's no one on the waiver wire that has the potential likely that Springer does have. Yeah, I I, I struggle. This is one part that I've I've struggled with as a player where. I don't know how to discern if a player is just having a bad performance or if he's still hurt. And obviously it's players are super, hard. They're super cryptic with their, you know, with how they feel. And I, I remember Tommy Pham this year, whenever he literally said at one point, I'm 85% right now. And that was, that was so stunning to me because it's like players never say that either. They say they're exactly 100% or they're 2000%. They're never honest and say like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm actually kind of banged up. I am not playing 100%. Like I'm not whatever. Um, so I'm hoping that he's healthy. I'm hoping that, you know, the batting, he's never been like a batting average stalwart. He's always kind of been on the lower end, but, um, hopefully he's just rounding into form and, you know, maybe he does present a good buying opportunity for the second half. Um, okay. So Dustin May was announced as a starter, rest in peace, Dustin May. Um, Bubba, you asked me which ones we preferred between David Price, Dustin May and Tony Gonsolin. We both immediately without hesitation said Tony Gonsolin, um, Dustin May obviously out for the year. Um, it is Tommy John, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, he's okay. done. Now I have to check. Every time I second guess myself, like the Heath Embry <laughs> thing, I'm literally just going to ask you so we don't have to go through that again. Um, so Gonsolin was a little bit slower to return from injury than most people had anticipated. Um, but when you look on the surface stats, 2.31 ERA, 31 strikeouts and 25 innings pitched. That's great. But, you know, like the really basic, you know, kind of uh, maybe this isn't sustainable type stats everybody kind of looks at. You know, super high strand rate, very low BABIP, but, you know, he's walking 13.9% of the batters he's faced, which is a career high. Is this one of those situations where it's he's just shaking the rust off or is it he's still hurt or there's underlying issues there that we don't really know about? Like, what are your takes uh, rest of the season as far as Tony Gonson goes? He's a mixed bag. Like you mentioned, the good kind of peripheral stats, the bad peripheral stats, he even look yeah. like his ERA and his XCR. Like you look at all this stuff, but he's given up a ton of barrels, so he's getting hit hard when he gets hit walk rate like you mentioned it's, it's through the roof which is not gonsolin-esque i still think he's gonna be fine i think he's shaking the rust off um mm-hmm. they've been they've been very careful with his workload but they're gonna need him they're gonna need him and the and, and price who you're talking about because kershaw's hurt right now there's obviously a player we don't want to talk about that's probably done for the season like there's holes in that rotation that they're gonna need both these arms likely i still would stick with gonsolin though yeah. And a follow up question, though, are you are you looking to add David Price? Do you think he does get stretched out to where he can become that, you know, vintage workhorse type of, you know, six, seven inning pitch David Price? Or do you think it's mostly going to be four and five innings since and they kind of tag along, you know, the rest of the game with the bullpen? I would look to add him if, if you really like a deep, deep leagues, because mm-hmm. I think they are going to baby him for a while. The fact he missed yeah. 2020 and I, I don't really care too much about that. Like, even in 2019, though, he only had 107 innings pitched. I think they're still going to be very careful because assuming they make the playoffs, which they should, again, they're going to need all these guys all hands on deck then. So if they can piece it together for a while, I think that's what they're going to do. That's why I kind of like Gonsolin more than Price still. Okay, fair enough. Um, I think I agree too, by the way. I Just from an upside standpoint, I, I'd rather kind of gamble on Gonsolin kind of returning to form as opposed to Price becoming something he hasn't really been in a couple of years. Um, so next next topic, we both predicted that uh, fabbing for closers this year was going to be an unmitigated disaster, and that strategy uh, of 
kind of grabbing one of the top five guys if we could uh, was going to be like a, a very winning strategy. So far, that's looking pretty good. Um, you know, I named Liam Hendricks specifically, which isn't exactly, you know, a difficult task. Um, I also mentioned Rysel Iglesias as a higher tier guy that I was going to be looking to add. You talked about Josh Hader. You're like, absolutely, I'm going to pay that premium Josh Hader. I want one of those types of guys on my team. So, I mean, knowing what we know now, obviously, I mean, how do you think this is going to affect drafts going into 2022? Are we going to see you know, closers going on the third and fourth rounds type of thing. Like, is, is that something that's, that's here to stay? Or do you think this is a one-year aberration that's a result of COVID and a shortened season? Like, basically, what is your strategy looking, you know, into 2022 and 2023 as far as closers go? Oh, it, it's it's going to be here to stay. Like, this isn't going to change. Um, we were on the same page. Like, I had, I had my my strategy was I had, like, my top five or six guys, which included Hendricks and Iglesias and others. I'm like, I want at least one of them. At least mm-hmm. one of them when I leave the draft. And then I'll pencil in with some other guys. And it's going to be here to stay because a lot of these teams are going to be built by committee. That's just the way it's going to be now with the mm-hmm. way teams are using, um, you know, just the stat cast era and, and the, the X stats. And they know lefty righty matchups and all this stuff. They want to use the best matchups to win the games. They want to use higher leverage situations. So technically the quote unquote closer might not pitch in the ninth. Um, I, I compare it a lot to the way we see running backs by committee in football. Like a lot of teams do that. And this is what you're going to get with your closers right now. And I don't I don't think that's going to change except for the rare team. Like you even look at teams like the Dodgers, they like they're so good. They'll let Kimley Jansen go like two nights or only give him like two days off because they just and someone then he also gets saves. There'll be a guy on the Dodgers that probably gets close to 10 saves this year. That's just the way it's going to go. So there's going to be plenty of value elsewhere. The question is, is uh, next one of the questions you have coming up is how do you pay for that value? Yeah. So you're in an NFBC league next year, right? 15 teams, standard rotisserie league. Obviously, you have to draft closers or you have to have saves. You have to have a plan because there's an overall component to most of these leagues. So what is the earliest pick-wise? Are you going, you know, are you, are you taking a closer top 50? Are you taking them top 30? Like, what what does that look like for you? Where, where, where do you feel comfortable doing that? I think it's still around 50, kind of like this year. I was saying like that four or five turnish area. If I could get somehow mm-hmm. wait till round five, I'd be very, very happy. If somehow you're in the right draft and they fall around six, that'd be outstanding. But I think they are going to get pushed up. It'll be fun in those early like uh, November DCs that start popping out to see where they go. It'll be fun in Mason's two early mocks. I usually start in September to see where things go because um, there will be a sense of urgency. But like you've seen before, Yancey, is you get all these drafts that start early and guys panic. But, you know, you compare it ADP from November to, say, February, and there's definitely a large chunk of players where recency bias switches back to, oh, wait, we, had not, we, had, we did a lot of analysis on these players. We looked at things we're like, guy's good but probably not like pick 60 good. And that's going to mm-hmm. change a lot too. But I'm right now I'm kind of keeping the same strategy. Take one of the big guys because that shouldn't change. Those guys are all paid. They're going to be on the same team barring something weird. And then just kind of try to f- piece it together after that. Yeah, I will say like my general strategy was I wanted to have one good one. Um, I ended up with a ton of Rysel Iglesias and that is working out great. But unfortunately in a 15 team league, just having one good closer isn't sufficient. You need to have two, sometimes three. And, you know, whenever I went into the season, like I had a lot of Stefan Crichton and Greg Holland and, uh, <laughs> you know, Scott Barlow's Josh Stomont's that type of thing. Um, shout out to Greg Jewett, by the way, all off season, yeah. he'd been preaching, just stay away from the Kansas city bullpen. It's an absolute disaster. And I tried to be cute and think that I was going to get some saves on the cheap and it has not worked out. And, I find myself in situations where like I'm rostering Tyler Rogers, which he's getting 30% of the save opportunities, which is like, yeah, saves are saves, but also no strikeouts whatsoever. So it's just like, you know, or I have like a James Krenchak who is a phenomenal reliever. He does strike out a bunch of people, but he's going to kill you and whip and he's not a full-time closer either. So it's like just trying to balance that. And 
um, it's it's been difficult, and I, I do see they're going to get pushed up even more next year. I think that's yeah. that's pretty safe to say. Um, and it, you're, just like you see the you know the starting pitcher inflation goes up and up and up, and NFC like especially like right before the season starts, we're going to see that all season with the haters and you know the Liam Hendrixes. It's just going to keep going right up. And next thing you know, like on the two three turn, you're going to see somebody you know screenshotting, yeah. "Hey, look, Josh Hader just went." And I, I think that's going to be kind of like the norm moving forward. Well, it, it'll it'll be interesting because like you said, the starting pitchers we always see go up, and then the discussion this year has always been like, "Oh, all these starting pitchers aren't as good," or the the wins aren't there so there's like the elite get pushed up even higher so is it going to yeah. be like five elite starting pitchers and like you said then all of a sudden you get hater and like iglesias and hendrix in there before even like the maybe luis castillo's of the world like is that the push yeah. we're going to see because main event guys get weird because you want to win the overall and as you mentioned like toby's mentioned it a lot scott jenstead a lot of smart guys they've had like zero saves all the way until like a week or so ago and mm-hmm. you know they've been, the rest of their roster looks great that one stat category is basically preventing them from like that next big leap. It's it's crazy to say that, but it's that true. So do you change your philosophy? It's, it's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be really fun to watch and see yeah. in those drafts, like what falls to you because someone pushes it up and is it like, it's going to be really fun to see. Yeah. Uh, closers are a nightmare. I'll, I'll say that much. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we also did some, some uh, division winner picks and world series picks. We'll, we'll go down these a little bit quicker. Um, so for division winners, uh, this is a, We'll start with the AL East, okay? Um, we both predicted that the Rays... I'm sorry. You predicted that the Rays would win the division, I think. Um, no, I'm I'm actually completely wrong. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Let me start over. We both predicted that the Yankees would win, okay? I said, quote, the Yankees would win comfortably between four to five games over second place. I also thought Toronto would be a playoff contender all year, and I said that the Red Sox would be, quote, much better than last year, and I see a path to them being very good. You predicted that the Yankees would also win the division, followed by the Rays and then the Red Sox, which, no secret, the Yankees are struggling. We say struggling with finger quotes. They're over 500, but, um, you know, this isn't a a typical New York Yankee season. I think they've been a little spoiled. Um, I mean, what do we think outlook like? Like, what is it? What has to happen for the Yankees to, you know, leapfrog all the other teams in this division? Like, I feel like there's just so many resources. There's so many different ways that they could go. They could suddenly add... Kyle Gibson and trade for Herman Marquez. And next thing you know, like they're a juggernaut again. So it's just a matter of whether or not they decide to do that this year. But what are, what are kind of your thoughts with the Yankees moving forward and who, and who actually ends up winning the AL East? What, what do you stand by your pick of, of the Yankees or do you want to switch off to something else? I'll switch to the Rays. Um, I had the Rays and Red Sox kind of right behind them. I think the Rays get it done. I feel like, you know, as you know, better than anybody, pretty much, they're not ones to usually go make a lot of trades to like improve the team, but yeah, you could go and get like a Charlie Morton right now, or like a John. Like if you want to go get a John, like there's guys you can get probably for not too much money that would yeah. really stabilize the rotation because your offense is going to be fine. It's going to be just fine. So yeah. if you can just stabilize that rotation, maybe get like a not so flashy reliever, which the Rays love getting those kind of players. So I, mm-hmm. I could see them doing that, and next thing you know, they're going to be right there in September again. So I like the Rays to do it. To answer your Yankees question. It's scary because they do have all the resources in the world to do whatever they want. So they can go yeah. get a pitcher, like we've mentioned. You named a few. I named a few. That wouldn't shock me because they need one, at least one. So that that's definitely going to happen. Secondly, and it's been rumored a lot, and it makes way too much sense. And I feel like it's going to. I'm going to wake up and the news is going to drop any day. They could go trade for Joseph Gallo because they need a center fielder. Mm-hmm. And if you put him out there with Stanton and Judge as a lefty, the OBP skills, the short porch and right. That offense that was already pretty terrifying just became just insanely like you could easily tell the uh, the Rangers, hey, we'll trade you Glaber Torres, who's been a disappointment for Gallo, and maybe mix they in would some do other it. pieces. Yes, hundred. The Rangers would hundred yeah. percent. They'd be like, okay, we're gonna get this guy on the cheap, and maybe we can improve him 
and now we're going to lose Gallo. Like I could see that move happening like in two seconds. So if they got Joey Gallo, Gallo. I love Gallo. All the negative stuff on Twitter from like Yankees fans go, why do we want this guy that hits blah, blah, blah and strikes out all the time? It's like, do you really watch baseball? Do you see what he does? Like, come on people. So it's terrifying. Mm -hmm. Yep. I agree. Uh, I I love the, uh, the, the cliche. Let's just look at his batting average and make a, 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 very quick decision on whether or not he's a good player or not. That's still alive and well. Yeah, um, okay. Alive. So uh, AL central next. Um, I was very down on the white Sox Cause I said that they had a lack of uh, organizational depth and I predicted that Cleveland would win the central. That's looking okay. Um, not necessarily a runaway. Um, I do believe at this point, Chicago is in first. I think they actually have the best run differential in the league. I'm not 100% sure on that, but they're a very, very good team against all odds. DFAing Adam Eaton, losing Luis Robert, losing, losing Eloy Jimenez, uh, losing Michael Kopech. Um, there's several other uh, players that are in heaven right now. Um, uh, <laughs> it's you such a great, the White such a great account. They were done. Yeah, uh, that picture. <laughs> yeah. Keelan. Yeah. Keelan's the best on that. She makes me laugh so hard. Um, uh, so you did pick the White Sox and you said that they are quote easily the most talented, but you were also concerned about their depth. We were both one thing that we did get right, Bubba. We were both extremely down on Minnesota. Yeah. Neither one of us saw the, the Minnesota thing happening like this year. I didn't think that they were competitive. You didn't think that they were competitive. Um, that's looking prescient. Follow up question to this. Who do you think ultimately holds onto that division? And do you think that Minnesota starts selling some of these pieces? I would love for the race to get Nelson Cruz. I think it fits so much, except for the fact that the Rays don't pay for anybody. Um, but man, would we need just, just a just huge, you know, right-handed bat in the middle of that lineup. But what are kind of your thoughts on that division? And, and if Minnesota decides to trade it off? Yeah, White Sox win the division because the fact that you've mentioned all those injuries they avoided. Now you got Jake Burgers come up and he looks like the first round pick he was. Mm-hmm. Vaughn's starting to heat up because Shocker took a young kid time to get going. And and LaRusso let him play versus righties and figured, oh wait, he can't hit them. Like Shocker. Weird. So yeah. it's funny how that works. But like they're getting that production. You got guys like Lurie Garcia, who's a great utility guy. He's filling in because of injuries. Like there's so many things. And they're about to get Eloy Jimenez back in like a couple weeks, it looks like now, because he's rehabbing. And yep. they might get Lou Bob back after all. Like, it's ridiculous. Yep. Like, right in time for the playoff push. So that's going to happen because you have guys like Carlos Rodon, who's been amazing. Lance Lynn has, like, one of the lowest ERAs in baseball, and he's eating innings. Giolito looks like he might be figuring it out. You got Hendricks back there. Barring some really, really – like, they've already hit every injury I thought they could. If they barring something crazy, yeah, it's theirs. To your Twins question, I 100% think they're selling. And I wouldn't be shocked if the Rays could do it because the Twins are that team – that their their minor league depth's gotten better over the years, but the Rays are so deep, it doesn't have to be like the flashiest names. It can be quantity over quality type thing. Yeah. And that's yep. what they could do. So uh Nelly Cruz could be gone, Josh Donaldson could be gone. They, they've got a surplus of outfielders because they're using Kirilov and Larnack, and they have some other youngsters. There's a lot of moves that, that could be made with with the uh twins. I would not be shocked if we see some trades there. And you know, another one that the Yankees could enjoy or a team in the NL West could enjoy, Jose Barrios could be on the run. So that could be fun too. I don't know what his contract situation is, but holy cow, if they were willing mm-hmm. to part with him, uh, just there's so many, everybody needs pitching, everybody, yep. you know, and that's a top the Rays, of the end starter. Yeah. The Rays are a pitching, you know, factory and they're going to, they're going to need help. You know, mm-hmm. Tyler Glasnow's hurt. Like we don't know what's going to look, that's going to look like in, you know, two months or whatever, but, um, Okay, so uh, AL West, I predicted that the Angels would win, um, which felt wrong whenever I said it. And like we went into this whole, you know, soliloquy about how I know that this is stupid, but my heart so badly wants Mike Trout and Otani to be in the playoffs. Um, obviously, like right now, they're not super far out, but they're, if the season ended today, they're not sniffing the playoffs. Um, so that's a little disheartening. 
Um, I did say, however, Shohei Otani is legitimately the best baseball player in the world. Um, I got a bunch of pushback on Twitter for that one, but I still stand by it. And it's looking a little prescient. It looks like, in fact, Shohei Otani might actually be the MVP, which is great. Um, You uh, said that you were also picking the Angels, which is a little bit of a surprise for me. But, you know, you're my boy and we stand together. You stood in solidarity with me. So I didn't look like (laughs) super stupid (laughs) saying that. Um, so you also picked the angels and you were talking about it for more from a, a betting standpoint, you had talked yeah. about how, if you were betting on a, you know, MLB futures or something like that, like you actually really liked the value that you were getting on that bet. Um, looking forward now, uh, what do you feel about this division? And do you think that the angels are still going to try to ride it out, get trout back and then, you know, hope for some run good and actually make the playoffs. What do you think happens in that division? I think the Astros run away with it. I knew they'd be better this year, but they're better than I thought they'd be. Like they look like, so that jugger, they look like that juggernaut they were before, and their pitching still isn't even that lights out yet. It's good, but it's not all that offense is just clicking again. I don't know what buzzers are using or what, but they're just they're locked in, and there's no stopping <laughs> them right now. I don't think yeah. the Angels are sneaky though for a wild card. Like I don't, it's going to take a, a heck of a push. But the fact they are getting Trout back, you still have Shohei, you have Walsh. If they're willing to commit, you only have a couple more years of Shohei and Trout together. Because Shohei's going to get paid somewhere, and the Angels won't have the money to do it. So if they really, really want to go for it and use that window, they can make a deal or two and make this really interesting because the Mariners aren't going to get in the way, I don't think. The Rangers aren't going to get in the way. I like the A's, but they're, they're kind of one of those an injury or two could ruin that too. Ever since Connor went down, they've kind of stumbled. I think the Angels could sneak into a potential playoff fight, but the Astros yeah. run away with the division. Yeah, I I, I agree with that on all counts. Um Next, uh, next division was the NL East. Uh, I predicted Philadelphia, and I all I talked about was how much resources they threw into improving their bullpen, calling it much improved, and the reason why they were going to win more games this year. Um, like, really good job, me. Um, I did, however, say that it was going to be one of the tightest divisions, if not the tightest division in baseball from a, a standpoint, uh, win-loss standpoint. That does look like it's shaping up to be the case. You picked the Nationals, which I thought was a little interesting because I was yeah. suspect about their starting pitching. And you did say that their biggest flaw was their starting pitching, which to a casual baseball fan who doesn't really follow the game super closely, like you see like, oh, they have Scherzer, they have Strasburg, they have Patrick Corbin. But we kind of saw the rotting on the walls, right? Scherzer is getting older. Um, I'm not saying he's not phenomenal. He's phenomenal, but he's, you know, he is an injury risk when you get to be 36 years old as a pitcher. Obviously, Patrick Corbin had been losing velocity, looked awful in the spring, uh, was getting blown up early in the season. Steven Strasburg is hurt all the time. And all of a sudden it looks like they're on the cusp of either selling or not selling. They could come out of the all-star break and lose, you know, five of seven or something like that. Next thing you know, it looks like they are going to sell. So um, basically the question is, what do you think happens with the nationals? Because it's anybody's guess who wins this division. And I'm, I'm really not in a, you know, I I don't feel confident taking anybody to be honest with you, just because it's so tight. I, I, even as depleted as, uh, as Atlanta is, I still don't want to rule them out possibly making a run just because, I don't know. I, I've just seen it before with them. Um, but what do you think the Nationals do? Do we see Max Scherzer getting traded? Because I feel like they could get a King's Ransom for a 36-year-old. That's one of the few times where you're actually going to get a really, really good package on a potentially expiring contract for a 36-year-old pitcher. So I'm really interested to see kind of what you think about what happens with them. That's the one team I'm looking at. You, you said it best when you said if they go on a losing streak out the gate, that's going to be the thing to watch. Like if all of a sudden they win like four in a row, it's like, well, they have a chance because it is so tight. Like even the Marlins are nine games back. I wouldn't be shocked if come mid-September they're like a game or two out because yeah. they're pitching so good, and this division is such a mess, like you said. And you just, you're waiting for the Mets to potentially Mets, and the Phillies have all the offense in the world. Can someone help Zach Wheeler out? Can Nola, he's been so inconsistent, can he get it going? Or that bullpen, like you said. There's so mm-hmm. many like little tweaks. If just one little thing happens, another team could just take off. 
and, and don't count the Braves. So the Nationals have to do it quick. Otherwise, I think they're going to sell because they've put so much money into the Strasburgs and the Scherzers and all that. A, they're going to need money for Soto real quick if they want to keep mm-hmm. that going. And B, their farm system isn't as strong as it once was. So maybe trading the Scherzer can help get that train going too. So mm-hmm. it's going to be, we're going to know that one I think a lot quicker than some other ones. And it'll be fun to watch. I think in the end they sell. Okay. I uh, I just want to give you a couple of shout outs too. You had also said during this segment that uh, you've come to accept the fact that Brad Hand just gets it done somehow, yeah. uh, which is proving to be true yet again. Not yeah. the 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 most locked down closer, but guess what? He has a boatload of saves and they, they yeah. keep rolling him out there and he's, he's doing it. Um, you also said as just a little aside that Kyle Schrober was going to surprise some people, which that was looking like an, like an amazing call until he got hurt, obviously. And this is a little dark and I, I, I don't even want to own up to this, but um, I was, I was texting Sammy one day, basically saying, um, you know, I, I have 20 leagues and um, Kyle Schorber is ruining my life because he's <laughs> all of a sudden he hit 15 home runs in like two weeks yeah. and I don't have him in a single league and all these leagues I'm, I'm just crushing. And all of a sudden, like I'm my, my leads have slipped away and I'm falling into third and fourth place. And, Cause I just don't have them anywhere. You know what I mean? It's him and it's Jacob deGrom. I don't have any of those guys. And it's like, when you see a player like that going off, it is just it's just pure pain. But um, that was a great call on your part. So I just wanted to give you credit for that too. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Okay, so NL Central. Um, uh, right off the bat, I predicted that Brian Reynolds was going to have a huge break back, uh, bounce back season, which that's looking fantastic. Strong, he was an all star. Yeah, one of my best best calls of the season. Um, but uh, we talked a lot about a last place team, which was really funny. Um, you you had mentioned, and I, and I agreed with you. We both said that the Cubs look like a fourth place team that doesn't look like they're trying. And all the moves that they've done in the short term has showed us that they're not serious about winning. Nailed it. Holy yep. crap, did we nail it, right? Uh, ultimately, I took uh, Milwaukee to win the division um, because of their obvious depth and uh, starting pitching and their bullpen and all that. You said, which I also really enjoy, I'm very angry at the Reds because they are a very good team that's made moves that like they have already given up. And we talked about Rice Iglesias, right? Mm-hmm. Holy cow, would that team be so much better with Rice Iglesias on it right yep. now? Like they're <laughs> contending, they're they're fighting for a playoff spot, and their bullpen is a mess. And meanwhile, he's winning them a, a bunch of games and closing a bunch of games out for the Angels, who likely will miss the playoffs. It's just stuff like that where it's just a pure. Uh, just a pure money move. It's just really frustrating. It just shows everything that's wrong with baseball. But um, just the fact that you'd call that like that, I thought it was actually really like well done on your part. Um, where do you see this division shaking out? Is there is there a favorite here? Is it just Milwaukee continues to run away with it, or do you think they pull back a little bit? Because there are some you know some innings questions with Corbin Burns with Freddie Peralta. Um, you know, do they pull back on Brandon Woodruff a little bit? Like, what do you think? I think the Brewers still kind of take take advantage of the situation. A, because their offense is getting better and better. You have guys like uh, Urias, who's looking great. Uh, Willie Adamas has been a, a great spark to that team. So happy for him, too, by the way. Yeah, it's look how happy he like. Okay, I, I know we're going to talk about some listener questions later, but I've mentioned it on many of my shows. I, I listen to podcasts all day, and I listen to the, the Chris Rose Rotations, my favorite new podcast that's not fantasy-related because mm-hmm. he, he has real players on. And I think it was Glassnow. Yeah, Glassnow had Willie Adamas on a week after he was traded. And yeah. they talked about saying goodbye to everybody. It almost made you want to cry because it's like they're all brothers. But then also like the first week, and then they had like the walk-off win in Milwaukee. And he said the place was packed and everyone was cheering. He says, this is all like I'm, I'm home, basically. He's so happy to play baseball right now. So you hear those little things. Like you said, you're happy for him. Like you got to be happy for these guys. Like you look at, look at him smiling and wearing his eye black in different ways. And baseball's supposed to be fun. And that's mm-hmm. that's that's what it is. So I think the Brewers do it. They have the offense there. Um, the pitching's great. I am concerned about potential innings limits, but 
You have guys like Eric Lauer, who's been very serviceable. Is he going to be great? No, he's very serviceable. Uh, and the bullpen depth's outstanding. Like they've traded two great cl- relievers, Farisian to you guys, and yeah. um, Richard, and Richards also to uh, Toronto. Yeah. Um, and they're still doing fine. Like I, I like this team a lot, and I wouldn't be surprised if they make another trade. So I think Milwaukee does it. I would love to see the Reds come up just short, just despite the whole situation. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> one game short, they they yep. blow the bullpen blows like the last game of the season or something. Yeah, yep. <laughs> so like poetic justice. Yeah, uh, for the NL West, uh, this this one will be brief. Uh, we both yeah. said without a moment's hesitation, it was almost like a LOL kind of thing. We said the Dodgers are going to win the West, um, and we both you actually said that it was quote the easiest division in baseball to predict, right? <laughs> Bubba, known Giants fan, Oops. okay. Yeah. Wearing a Giants hat. Neither one of us even <laughs> mentioned the San Francisco Giants. Okay. Didn't even mention them. I mean, I don't understand how they do it. Obviously, their analytics department is very stout. Farhan knows what the hell he's doing. It's been really cool seeing a lot of, uh, you know, just like old veterans, KG veterans. Evan Longoria was hitting the snot out of the ball before he got hurt. Brandon Belt, uh, Brandon Crawford. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. these are players that, like, for years, like, were undraftable. I cannot tell you how many times, like, I went to the waiver wire and Brandon Crawford's just sitting there and I'm just like, I'd rather die. You know what I mean? And he's just been so amazing this year. So it's just, there's not a whole lot of analysis here. It's just like, I mean, how did we not see this coming? Like, did you, I mean, obviously you didn't because we didn't even talk about them, but like, do you think that the Giants can keep this up? Do you think that this is something sustainable? Are they going to sell off some of these pieces or are they just going to ride it out? What do you think? A, I thought they were like a still a year or two away. I thought yeah. they were developing the young players, which they've done, and they're, they're going to lose a lot of money off the salary. I didn't see like these guys, Crawford and company, doing what they were doing. So there, there's like my quote, quiet justification for it, but it's still mm-hmm. like they've been awesome. I've told other people on shows like a month ago that I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop, but it has not dropped yet. Um, it just depends can the pitching hold up because the offense is going to be there. Like the fact that Kapler can platoon these guys so well. The offense yep. will be there and keep us in games there. Can the pitching keep us in games? That's the question mark. Some nights the bullpen looks like I can't even name you who's in their bullpen right now. All of it. Like it's they rotate guys through there and it's just it's bizarre. And yep. the starting rotation, like is Quato gonna stay healthy? Stuff like that. I still think the Giants are a wild card team, not a division winner team. I'd love for them to be the division winner team. But um it just depends. Can the Dodgers pitching hold up, which I'm very suspect on? I think the Potters have a run in them that's going to be scary pretty soon. So I, I actually agree. Yeah, I think the Potters won the division. I would love for the Giants to be the wild card one, so LA has to come to the San Francisco for the wild card game. That would be electric <laughs> factory. I would, I might live stream that just because you'll see me on full tilt mode. You know what I'll say too? Um, just to wrap it up with the, the the Giants, it's amazing the productivity that they've gotten out of veteran hitters, right? But also mm-hmm. what they've been doing with free agent starting pitchers, like. Kevin Gossman is, I, I mean, up until very recently, he was the number one player on Raswell's player Raider ahead of DeGrom, which is just unbelievable, right? Insane. I think he fell back to second, but that's just how, how good he's been. Desclafani has been amazing. Cueto has been a, a very above average starting pitcher. It's just, um, you know, I'm doing the thing on podcasts where like I forget like really common pitchers names, but like basically their entire rotation has been good. Their entire hitting, you know, lineup has been great and they're platooning everybody it's just it's just amazing what they've done and i'm i'm actually kind of scared we're like we're on the cusp of an absolute dynasty you're like they're gonna rip off another three or four championships in 10 years just because the dude running it just he he's running it like it's the Rays, but with money and and that's terrifying but 
Um, so congratulations in advance, Bubba. Um, <laughs> another it. prediction, I, I'm i skipping a little of them um, uh, th- that we did cover in episode 350, just because there's so many and some of them aren't interesting. But uh, we both predicted that the Rays would win the World Series. I said it was going to be Rays over the Phillies, a rematch of the 2008 World Series. Um, you predicted that the Rays would represent the AL, and you said, I don't care who wins the NL as long as it's anybody but the Dodgers. So do you want to amend that take? Do you want somebody else to represent the American League? And who do you think takes it for the NL? I want to stick to the Rays, but like I said a little bit ago, the Astros offense is looking so good. I'm going to go Astros in the AL, and I'm going to have them taking the San Diego Padres. Padres. Astros Padres. That's where I'm going. Is that difficult for you to say, or is it? It is on both accounts because, like, I want to say the White Sox, <laughs> I want to say the Rays. Like, I want both those teams over the Astros. But you just watch how they play, and like, they're not just beating teams; they're beating teams. Like, it's not yeah. even close some days. And then I, I, I'm still just maybe I'm just being pessimistic. I think in a in like a short series, the Giants can be sneaky good with all the platoons. Mm-hmm. I just think they're going to fall short to get into the dance type thing, and that's where I'm worried. And I think this Padres seems so loaded, and they're getting healthy. You see, Fam the last month. Cronenworth keeps doing it. Myers is banged up. He got Machado. Like that team's so so good. And Austin yeah. Nola's coming back. I just don't see how they slip up the whole way. Yeah, I I mostly agree. I I hate that it's an agree cast so much, but yeah, I <laughs> I, I agree with almost everything you're saying. Um, we talked about some of our top picks for like fantasy players, um, kind of like a generic category, but just like players that we were really high on um, versus kind of where they were being taken, and we thought they were good values. Um, I predicted Eugenio Suarez uh, was going to be just an absolute amazing value that he was going to hit 50 home runs with shortstop eligibility. At one point I said he was going to win the NL MVP. Um, yikes. Okay. Uh, the batting <laughs> average has been extremely bad. He's still hitting for you know, a decent amount of home runs and stuff, but man, the, the average is a killer. And in certain weeks, like I'm actually, you know, I'm subbing him out and I'm really trying to be selective with how much I use him. Just trying to keep pace in the counting stats because uh, the batting average is just unbelievably bad. And I just didn't think that the floor was going to be that low. Um, some of my honorable mentions for fantasy MVP were Cattell Marte, who I have everywhere. I mean, whenever he plays, he's amazing, but he's just been hurt so often. And I, I'm really scared that that's going to be, you know, the hamstring issues is going to be lingering all season long. Um, I did say that Marcus Simeon was going to combine uh, for 240 runs plus RBIs, and he was going to be in, in, in uh, MVP discussion. So that looks great. Um, Bubba, you predicted that Juan Soto would be in the running for the Triple Crown. It's been a little disappointing this year. The returns have been light. Um, I will give you the floor here in a second. You said that your dark horse fantasy MVP was Reese Hoskins, and your honorable mentions were Joey Gallo, which is looking pretty good, Mark Canna, which is looking great before he got hurt, and Robbie Grossman, who has stolen a ton of bases. So how do you feel kind of about those particular players? And, I mean, do you have like a second half fantasy MVP that you're thinking of while I plug in my laptop before it dies? No problem. Yeah, my uh, my honorable mentions, big fan of those, just based on where they were getting drafted ADP, ADP-wise. They've If you took those, those are like making you feel real gravy, especially Kana before he got hurt. And his injury sounds bad, like almost to the point where if the A's fall out of it, we might not see Kana for uh, the rest of the season. So that's one to keep an eye on. I'm still okay with Reese Hoskins because like, he's not going to hit for average, ever hit for average. But he has 20 home runs, 50-plus RBIs. Like He's doing his thing, and he had a very down month of June. So that's one of those that we could see production there. Soto's been bad, but I blame the, I blame the, the shoulder injury for a lot of that, and we'll see how it works. Uh, the home run derby made me feel better about his shoulder. And just for the quotes he said, because he knows he's hitting the ball on the ground a lot, he said the mm-hmm. home run derby might be the best thing for him because it's going to teach him to elevate the ball again. Force him to lift the ball. Yeah, yeah. I, I just hearing him <laughs> say that, I'm like, well, at least he knows. Like, it's not just like yeah. how many times do we make fun of front offices going like, I can look at the Savant page and tell you what you're doing wrong. How can you not figure it out? He knows what's going on. Yeah. And that shows he's, you like, he's the 
yeah. he's the reverse Eric Hosmer. Okay. Yes. He's, he does not he want to hit on the ground. <laughs> and, and, and I'll say this out of, out of, any early round hitter that is struggling at all, I think I'm the least concerned about him. 100%. He has such an undeniable hit tool. He has such an undeniable uh, feel for the strike zone. Like he knows what the hell he is doing out there. Um, maybe he is battling a little bit of an injury and he's just, he's an adjustment away. He's it's not, he has to completely rebuild his entire approach. It's just either he's nursing an injury or he just needs to make one subtle change that I do believe that he's capable of making. So don't drop Soto. Don't discount Soto. You know, he's so probably going to be a second or third rounder yeah. next year. Just, you know, already just because he can't really catch up to what we were expecting from him from a value yeah. standpoint. But he's already looking like he's going to be a fantastic buy for next year. So 100%. Uh, I think he he could be your second half breakout because people are so bummed on him. I think he could be that guy. Like you said, one tweak and boom, like it's over. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we we talked about our top fantasy picks uh, as far as pitchers for last year. I called it a homer cast. This one this one is really bad. I I took Blake Snell in the National League, saying that he was being unfairly maligned. Uh, that's that was the words that I used. Uh, my honorable mention was you Darvish. Darvish has been good, predictably excellent. You know, not the best pitcher in the National League, but he's been very good. Um, in the AL, we both took Lucas Giolito as our AL uh, fantasy breakout. I I feel like people are. Um, kind of unfairly judging Giolito. Um, yeah, he has not been like, you know, the back end of a first rounder or an early second rounder like we had predicted, but also it's a long season. He's healthy. Um, you know, the whip's fine. The strikeouts are there. He has like a 4.1 ERA. He is not going to finish the season with a 4.1 ERA. He's going to he's gonna ride all five or six starts in a row where you're like, hell yeah. And the next thing you know, he looks like a second rounder. So I'm not worried about Lucas Giolito at all. Um, you also, like I said, you also picked Giolito, and you were very, very high on Marcus Stroman. Um, so I can give you the four a little bit. You said that uh, his ADP of around 200 was going to look very silly in a few months. So I guess we could start with the Stroman pick first. How do you feel about that? And then what do you feel about Giolito moving forward? I like the Stroman pick overall. I wish the strikeouts mm-hmm. were a little higher. They were at one point. His last like four outings have not been good strikeout outings. So I'm hoping he figures yep. that one out again. But overall, the, the ratios, are that's what you get Stroman for, is the ratios, ground ball rate, and hoping to get better strikeouts this year. So I'm still good with him. Uh, he's, he's a good staple in that rotation. So I, I'm fine there, and I, I echo your Giolito sentiments. It, it was a rough Boston start. He's had a couple issues with maybe no sticky stuff. But, um, again, if you listen to that Chris Rose rotation, he's one of the six guys that's on all the time, and he's been very adamant about certain things and working on things and trying to fix things and He's like one of those hardcore stat guys that brings in gurus to help him fix things. And um, I think he'll figure it out. I will say you've, this is, I think the third time that you've mentioned that Chris Rose. It's awesome. I'm telling you, I have never listened to it. And I I have like this weird bias where it's like the, the more popular the baseball commentary is, I kind of stay away from it. I'm not really into like, you know, I I don't follow the Buster Olneys and the ESPN people. I don't, that's not my bag at all. I'm with you. But it sounds like he's actually like a real down to earth kind of interesting. He's just a dude talk like he's doing the show out of his house. Um, Like once he got let go by MLB Network, they they hired him there. And uh, he has six different. John Boy, right? John Boy Media? Yes, John Boy. It's six different guys. It's G Lito, Glassnow, Miguel Rojas. Um, I feel horrible. I'm forgetting the rest. There's six dudes. And that's his rotate. Oh, Trevor May and some others. And then they bring on player guests like Castellanos has been on, which was an amazing interview. And uh, some other like yeah, there's all like Cedric Mullins is on the other day. And if, if his rotation guys are busy, he had like Cedric Mullins on by himself and just interviewed him and talked to him. It's like if you liked intentional talk at all, maybe when they interviewed the players, that's what it is mm-hmm. for an hour. Dope. So it's wide I'll open. Check it out. No bias. I'll check it out. I need yeah. I need to uh, open up my. Uh... Expand my you horizons. Listen to, you listen bit. to so much stuff, though. You listen. We've got so many music questions for you later. You're, you're good. 
Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, all right, let's let, we gotta these next couple of ones we gotta speed up a little bit because we do have a lot of questions. Yeah. So um, we were we, we talked about what late round reliever that did not have the job that could be a league leader in saves. I mentioned Emilio Pagan, who at this moment has zero saves and four wins. I also mentioned Jose Alvarado that has three saves and five wins and an awful, awful ERA. Uh, and then Mike Miner, Mike Myers, who has two wins and two saves. Um, I also mentioned that there was weeks. This is really funny. I mentioned that there were weeks that you're going to want to start a middle reliever over some scrub starting pitcher like Kyle Gibson, who has been one of the best pitchers in baseball this year. <laughs> so that's a little mm. unfortunate. I included that note just to show that it is so easy to get yep. things wrong and so many things change. Um, but great take by me. I'm really proud of myself. Uh, you mentioned Peter Fairbanks, who um, as kind of like a save start, he has walked into a few saves. Um all of a sudden, though, that bullpen, it, there's just so many options, and yep. Nick Anderson's coming back soon. So um, I don't know how valuable he's going to be down the stretch, but at least he did get some saves. Um, you also made it more of a point to highlight how uh, more more people are open to starting long relievers. Uh, Bubba, you, you took a lot of heat for this, talking about, like, you know, why why were some of these pitchers even in consideration, you know, starting them in NFBC? And people are like, oh, you don't understand. And you're like, no, actually, I do understand. Like, we're, we're still in, in like you know, the last week of June and like, you're already worried about like ratios and, and keeping pace and maybe don't start certain pitchers in like really, really bad matchups. And um, I, I, I agreed mostly with what you were saying. I'm, I'm sensitive to the idea that you have to keep pace, but I also feel like people still don't fully grasp how much time is left and everything is a value proposition where it's like, you're kind of weighing like the upside versus the downside. The upside is you maybe potentially keep pace, with you know people in your league the downside is you completely tank your ratios and it takes you weeks to recover so um i mean that's not really a question there but i mean do you want to opine on that anymore like have your sentiments changed on that or do you still stand by it no you, you nailed it and i stand by it like there's certain times i understand taking the risk or everything but when they're like the writing on the wall is so like insane like when you have like a 10 percent positive outcome potential mm-hmm. that's not that's not worth it and that's kind of what people are walking into a certain ones not all of yeah. them and I get it. Most two start weeks aren't created equal. I understand that too. But the biggest thing, like you mentioned, is we still had three months of the season. Like we're still halfway to go, and we're gonna see all kinds of goofy like pitchers getting called up in September and stuff that you could get cheap and maybe stream in better matchups. Like trying to force the hand now didn't make sense to me. It's and so I get keeping up, like you said. But there's still so much time, and there's so many better ways to try to take your risks. Is the way I see it. Okay. Um. This is a, we're kind of moving off of the predictions now. It's more so questions kind of looking forward. So what is one thing that you've learned playing fantasy this year? Um, very quickly for me, it's not being completely enthralled and enamored with uh, whatever the middling hitter ad of the week is. Like I do a ton of research and this is almost to a detriment because I'm, I am bidding on a ton of players every single week. And because the, of the fact that I am bidding so much and I kind of know what players are going to go for, for the most part, obviously there's outliers every single week, but I'm winning a lot of these bids and I'm spending money every single week on players that I never even started. And so I'm getting myself into situations where it's like, I'm not going crazy. I'm not the guy bidding, you know, $400 on a player, but I'm constantly bidding, you know, 30, 40, $50 on middling players who, who I'm not even starting. So I'm trying to readjust and be a little bit more uh, calculated with how I spend my fab. So that's kind of one thing that I'm, I'm, kind of reassessing and really, Hey, am I actually going to use this player outside of this week? It, do they have long-term value. What's her playing time considerations look like, et cetera. So that's been a tough adjustment for me, but what is one thing that you've learned in fantasy this year that you can give to your listeners? First, that's a great one to mention. Cause we're all guilty of that many times, yeah. like if spend the money, use the money type thing. But um, I guess if I had to pick just one, I continue to put the emphasis on multi-position eligibility. 
with all the injuries yep. we have now, with all the difficulties. If I'm going to, you know, try to get four or five different hitters in Fab, the multi-position guys get a, a, a good boost for me. Like I want those mm-hmm. kind of guys. They might not be the sexy guys, but your Wilmer Flores of the world and stuff. The fact they can play all over your your roster right now is tremendous. Yep, I will say this to piggyback of what you're saying. I'm in I'm in 20 NFBCs and. All year, even with COVID and, and all these different injuries that we're seeing, you know, crazy IL stints and stuff, I have not taken a zero on the hitting side. You know, pitching is different because it locks after the first day, whatever. But on the hitting side, I have not taken a zero where I went into a Monday and I just didn't have anybody to use because somebody was announced as hurt. Yeah. I prioritize so many multi-positional hitters and just the way that I construct my benches and utilizing those spots to where I know that every single position is covered. Like, you know, it's not sexy to have, um, I'm trying to think of like a bad triple eligible player. Um, but there's, there's a lot of them this year. There's actually like a really good amount and just holding on to a guy like that. Um, you know, earlier in the season, it was like a Mauricio Dubon. He sucks. And I think he got sent down, but like, there's better examples, you know, like if you were, if you were 50, 50 on two players, well, guess what? Ryan McMahon is first, second and third eligible. You just backed up 75% of your infield with one player. That is extremely meaningful, you know? Um, so just, I'm really proud of that. Just knowing how to construct a, a team like that. And, you know, in Rass Slam, I've, I've flirted with the top 10 overall in the Rass Slam just because I had very, very few hitter spots and they were all multi-eligible. And I was able to just load up. I took 16 starting pitchers on the Huge. back end of the draft in Rass Slam. And, you know, I, I have a chance at the overall there. So, nice. um, yeah, that's kind of a, a long way. I, I said it'll be fast and here we are. Um, what are uh, two or three players that are killing you the most this season? Like absolutely killing you. Um, I'll make this quick. Glaber Torres, because I was debating between Javi Baez and Torres. And like my first half of drafts was all Baez. Second half, I took Torres to be different. That should have stuck mm-hmm. to all Baez. Um, and then having no Fernando Tatis Jr. really stings. None. That None. sucks. None. Yeah. And my anti Kevin Gossman thing is really coming back to bite me in the ass. <laughs> so um, this is me taking accountability, yep. folks. Like I, yeah, stings a lot. Yep. Yeah. For me, it's a, uh, I have too much Adalberto Mondesi and, uh, that sucks really bad. I have too much Kettle Marte because he's, he's been hurt a ton. And I only have one Otani. And it was because I begrudgingly took him because he kept falling, falling, falling. And I was like, I, I guess I'll take him. And I hated it in the moment. I thought it was just a stupid pick. And I mean, he's been my best player. So th- there you go. Um, do you have any victory laps that you'd like to take? Either player related, anything like that. Um, for me, it's most of my, if you go to my NFBC page, my most drafted players, uh, Cedric Mullins, Shane McClanahan, Mark Canna, Austin Riley, Mitch Hanniger, Tyler O'Neill, Trevor Rogers, and Omar Narvaez. And I um, mean, these are players that I drafted. I didn't wait around and then pick them up on Fab or anything like that. So like, you know, Shane McClanahan, I was taking the 50th round and that felt awesome. Like he's, he, he hasn't been like a Cy Young, but he's just been, for where I took him, he's been an amazing value. And I also said Tyler Molly would out-earn Jack Flaherty. Obviously Flaherty got hurt, so that's kind of a, a cop-out, but just identifying pockets of value has been like a big win for me. So what are some victory laps you want to take real quick? The value thing, like the Mark Connor we mentioned earlier, I have him like everywhere. Obviously, he's hurt yeah. now, but up till that point, he was just tremendous for any fancy. Yeah. Like, I take my one guy early, the one guy I had circled for those middle to later rounds, Craig Kimbrell. I have him everywhere, and that's turned out to be very good. I was told I was crazy for that. So, yep. Hat tip to uh, Matty Wood for putting me on Craig Kimbrell. He's like, Yeah, you need to take him. And I was, I was not even considering it, and that worked out a lot. Um, have you added any new players to your officially dead to me list? Um, I added Chad Pender, Hunter Dozier, and Kike Hernandez. Um, I was enamored with the multi-positional eligible thing, and I let it overlook the fact that they just aren't very good, and I hate that. So who who are some uh, new officially dead to you players? Dozier could be one. I was very, very high on, on uh, Dozier, but 
I'd have to go look back. I haven't. I, I, there's not a ton totally dead to me ones yet. Um, there's some pitchers that were darn close at points in times, but nothing for sure just yet. Okay. Um, is there a player that is currently crushing? I know you mentioned Gossman before, yeah. but somebody that's crushing that you completely missed on. Uh, for me, it's Carlos Rodon. Like, I feel like I was like betrayed by all of my friends who were like, you know, high stakes crushers and stuff. Like, nobody told me about Carlos Rodon at all. Like, he got non tendered. I thought like it was over. And here he is. He he literally is a league winner and it sucks. I have none. Do you have a player like that for you? Yeah, that's a good one. I think Adelise Garcia is a good one because he was another guy that was non tendered yeah. and here he is doing things. And if I have to yeah. mention one more, it's not that I didn't know about him, but I thought there was no way he'd be this good. Chris Taylor of the Dodgers. I yep. I told you I wrote yep. him off as like he won't play enough and I'll look at him. He's an all star. Yeah. I I I think I have one share of him. I but for some reason I just completely missed on him. Yeah. Um all right, non baseball question. Your little daughter, honey, she is officially one year old. I saw the, the photos, looking very cute. Happy birthday. Uh what are some things that you have learned about being a dad um that kind of caught you off guard? Maybe something that you weren't expecting. And also is there a piece of advice? that you wish somebody that had told you that you'd like to tell either a new or expecting dad that might be listening. Uh, one thing that'll keep you off guard. If you think you're a tough guy, you lose all that. You're the most sensitive person on the planet now because you have a yeah. little girl. <laughs> like, do you, no do you cry what, a lot? Do you cry? I actually, I caught myself <laughs> crying earlier today thinking about my dog dying. Like, cause I heard a story on the radio yeah. about it. So yes, there's things that about me now that aren't the same as they used to be. Like I'm a lot. So not even just, not even just daughter related. No, like not even, she just made like, me my whole outlook on life. My whole outlook on life has changed. Yes. So we yep. have that going, but with her, I can think I can see old. We looked at old pictures of her the other day, and I was just getting a little misty eyed. So yes, like those are those are fun things. I, I I love everything about her. The one thing I would say to new dads, and I've told a few that have asked, is two things: you guys do what makes works for you. Don't. Mm-hmm. There's no one way to do it. That's one thing I'll say because everyone tries to tell you how to raise a child. No, do it yourself. Like do what works for you guys. As long as they're pooping, peeing, eating, sleeping, you're good. Like yep. keep doing that. Yep. Um, and secondly. And like sometimes I'm guilty of it, but I did say I wait till she goes to bed and does all this stuff. Spend your time with her. Like I changed my little. It doesn't sound like much, but my podcast schedule uh, when she is around, like she's not home right now, is um, for a Pacific time, basically from like four o'clock till seven thirty or so. I don't do any mm-hmm. fantasy stuff. Like I dinner, bedtime, bath time, and I cherish it. So enjoy it. Like fantasy will be there later. That'd be my biggest thing. Like enjoy the time. And if people don't understand why you're doing that, well, then they don't need to understand anyways. Yeah. I mean, they kind of, they kind of, I, I joke with Sammy. I, I mentioned him a lot, Sammy Reed. Um, you know, he has a little girl too. She's roughly the same age yeah. as, as Honey. Yeah. Um, you guys were like really, really close. And like, I always make jokes about, he's like, oh, you know, I have to give my daughter a bath or I have to do this or I have to do that. And like, it's always like, you know, I'm like, oh my God, that's the worst. Obviously, I'm just kind of playing around. Yeah. He's like, but it is amazing how like things shift where like you used to think that something like that would be an obligation or something that you're forced to spend time with. But it's like, no, like me giving my daughter a bath is important. And I want to do that. I want to be there for that. Like every little moment like that, like you miss it, you know? And I, I when I see my nieces and nephews, like they're, they look different every time I see them, you know, so you need to cherish those moments. I love coming home and like going into her little playpen and like I'll lay down there and we'll play with her toys and see like the excitement she has when she figures out like oh, if I bang these two together, they make a noise like stuff like that. That's fun. Yeah. That's a lot more fun than, you know, dealing with Twitter or something. Yeah, I agree. Um, let, let, let's make it a little negative very quickly. Do you think <laughs> fantasy baseball Twitter has gotten better or worse in the last calendar year? I have I have an opinion, but I'll, much, I'll let you much give worse. yours first. Much worse. Much worse. Much worse. I, I felt like we were in um almost like a bubble. And uh, like for some reason, against all odds, as like 
other little factions of Twitter kind of got more and more toxic. Um, yeah. Like we were exempt from it. And then the last year, I don't know what's going on. I kind of feel like we've lost ourselves a little bit. Yeah, It's all gone and, between um, people staying at home, COVID, um, yeah. everything, all the, all the stuff going on politics. It's all, it's all found its way in to fantasy baseball where we used to be able to get away from everything. It's all intertwined yeah. now. And it's just turned into a, yeah, it's a mess. Yeah. I'm not even going to act like I'm like exempt from it. Like, you know, there's some behaviors and things I've done We're that I'm guilty of something. Yeah, it's just it, it's just wild, and you know, may, maybe it is a, a result of of our, our our change in our environment and being stuck at home and what have you. But um, I'm going to try really hard to kind of make it look better in 2022 because you know I, I've taken some time off, and I, I don't really like to announce whenever I do anything like that because I don't feel like I owe anybody that, and nobody deserve not that they deserve it but like nobody cares that like some random guy is like taking a break from twitter like who honestly who who cares but um yeah it, it has been it has been a little um a little tough recently so here's the 2022 let's make it better guys. um what is one thing that you're trying to do to make twitter a better place um for me it's always telling myself before i try to dunk on somebody for liking something that holy cow, they just, they're liking something and life's really hard. And if something brings you joy, just let that person enjoy it. Like I used to cringe every time I saw like wrestling tweets and stuff like that. But then I was like, you know what? They're not hurting anybody. They like wrestling. Let them like wrestling. Do you have something like that where you're like, I'm not going to do this thing. And I'm just going to, you know, make Twitter a slightly better place because I didn't do that thing. I hundred percent. I agree with you. Like everyone is allowed to enjoy what they want to enjoy. As long as no one's trying to harm another person. I pretty much just kind of ignore it. A lot of things I do now is just uh, scroll to different things. I try not to like read everything. And I do a lot of, I'll type things out I want to say, and then I'll delete them before I tweet them type things. Just like, it isn't worth it anymore. Because I'm a very sarcastic person, but in the landscape we're in now, sarcasm does not translate at all on there. And so I, I learned that the hard way a few times. And so now I'm just like, you know what? I'll walk away. You guys, you guys want my sarcasm? You have like 70 shows to listen to. So I'll be out there. Um, and I'll say this too. I like your opinion isn't, yeah, you're, you're entitled to it, but that doesn't mean that it's valuable, yeah. right? Me knowing that my opinion isn't valuable every single time and that I'm not a qualified expert on everything. I think, I mean, having that sense of humility, I think can go a long way. Like so many times I'm like, why, why am I, why am I, you know, going after somebody for something whenever I, I don't even fundamentally understand what it is, you know? So um, that's, that's, that's something I'm going to be doing a lot more of is, is, learning to shut my mouth whenever i, I don't I would know say, what I'm I'd talking say, about. i'll make this real quick i'd say the number one thing if everyone could accept it is instead of just seeing someone types tweet something and want to go right at them and tell them they're wrong why don't you try to have a conversation and see where their point of view is coming from because yep. that's how so many things happen and it's the worst thing on the planet have a conversation yep. with, we're all human beings try that first yep i agree well said bubba um, all right. So some listener questions. I apologize if I missed anybody. Um, I started putting some of them in our outline sheet and then um, I had to go to bed. And then so I'm going to be hopping around on Twitter and looking to see if I can find them. Bubba, if you see any that I missed, you're welcome to jump in. But we're just going to wing it. And we're going to try to power through a bunch of these. Uh, so right off the top, friend of the show, Rob Wedig uh, at Rob Wedig on Twitter. He says, what did Yancey do during his sabbatical and what did he learn during his time away? I hope he had a fantastic time. Um, I learned to speak less and listen a little bit more. Um, I learned that uh, sometimes using a uh, semi-anonymous um, microblogging uh, social media service uh, to convey all of your emotions sometimes isn't the most healthy or beneficial thing. Um, had a lot of stuff going on, personal life, uh, you know, family family stuff. Uh, my grandfather has dementia. It's it's deteriorating really really badly. Um, 
so just kind of dealing with that, that's been really difficult. Family stuff, like I mentioned, uh, got in a car wreck, that kind of sucks. So that's, you know, that's life stuff. Wasn't really like I was planning on taking time away, but um, it was for the best. And whenever all signs in the universe are pointing towards like, hey, like maybe like sit this one out, chief, like maybe that was what I was supposed to do. But um, Bubba, what, did I miss anything in the last six weeks since I've been off Twitter? Um, any, no. Anything that you'd like to no? <laughs> no. <laughs> Nothing of value now. Okay. Um, uh, Anthony Gialdi at Gialdi on Twitter says, when you wear the moose swag out and about and get questions, do you tell them that you're in a gang or do you lie? So a little context to this. uh, Anthony sent me a very lovely moose shirt for his team. It's like his his men's league hockey team. I I, I think they play multiple sports. I'm not even sure. Um, But one day he just asked me if I wanted a shirt and I'm not going to turn down a, a free shirt. So he sent it to me. It's gorgeous. It's like bright green. Um, it doesn't match anything that I wear, but I wear it like three times a week. Every time we do laundry, it's the first shirt that I put back on. I, I love the shirt so much. So um, I, I think people are really confused. And I've had people ask me if, I, if I'm from Kansas. So uh, there's that. Yeah, you, um, you and I uh, both. I'm from Kansas City. You're from Kansas. It's fun, isn't it? Yeah, it's very fun. Um, yeah, yeah I, I can't wait to get to a live event. We, I, I, we, we got a plan to go to the same live event here one of these days, Bubba, so we can meet yep. all these people and I'll wear my moose shirt and stuff. But there you go. Um, doesn't look like it's going to happen this year, but hopefully next year. Um, this is at Bat Flip Crazy. I think I might I know, know that guy. Familiar. I don't know though. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Um, he asks, "What is one book you would recommend to people, baseball or non-baseball related?" Um, I will give you two books. Uh, one is Ishmael. It was actually a gift from uh, our friend Sammy Reed. He sent it to me. Um, it is just a really short, easily digestible book uh, about a talking gorilla, and uh, it sounds like it's like a joke. It's not a joke. It actually has a lot of really poignant and meaningful ways to look at life and look at how we're contributing or not contributing to it. And I would recommend it to anybody. I probably read it four times in the last five years. Every year and a half or so, I read it. Um, I would also recommend The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. He is another super, um, I mean, he has a very, very simple prose, very easy to read. The book you can probably read and bang out in two hours. It's very much like a, a simple uh, a simple story about like the journey in life and like what's truly important and, and recognizing kind of where you are in life and realizing that like this is the journey right now that you're living in. It's not some mythical thing that you you see out in the future. You're living it right now. So I would recommend those two books. Um, do you have a book that you'd like to recommend, by the way, Bubba? I don't read a ton during the baseball season. I try to read mm-hmm. in the off season, but like just two books. I know someone mentioned 1984. I think it's a great book just to kind of see how the world works type thing. I think it's a very interesting mm-hmm. book. But um, one I've mentioned on this show many times, if you want to stick to the fantasy world, go read Fantasyland. I think it's one of the best books. I, that got me really into fantasy baseball. It mentioned like the greats like Laura Michaels and company. And like, so when I got to actually meet Laura for barf, it was like, like I meet a celebrity. It was pretty mm-hmm. cool stuff. But uh, I think that's a very fun book. If you guys want to know like where everything started from, that's where it was. Awesome. Um, all right. Uh, Rob Wedig actually, I didn't realize this. He, he got in a couple of questions, um, yep. which is a power move and I respect it. Uh, Rob asks, would you rather have a long steady career musically or have a huge impact in a short amount of time? I'm thinking Pearl Jam versus Nirvana as an example. And he makes uh, a point to say that he's old, by the way. Do you want to answer this question first? Then I'll take it. Would you rather have a long career, long and steady career musically or have a gigantic impact? We can even make this about, you know, sports, whatever. Like, would you rather shine bright, but you know, flame out very quickly or have like this really nice slow burn of a career. I want the slow burn. I want the slow burn in a big, big way. Yeah. Like, I, want, I want that, you know, 
20 year career like you don't see any more type stuff let, let it go like if you want to talk musically metallica is my favorite band they're still going um so that's one that works but like, if you want a baseball sense you know people clown on like miguel cabrera's and albert pulos of the world but look how long they've been here and it's crazy to think back out like when they started and everything so give me that long long burn I like that a lot. I, I actually think I agree. I'm trying to look up something for the next question while you're talking. I wasn't ignoring you. Um, okay. Uh, I, I do agree with that. I went like, especially with music, you know, I play drums and stuff. If I were somehow to be able to like sustain myself and, and provide for my wife and my dog and do that through music, I, I don't want, I don't care about influence. I don't care about making an impact or, you know, being famous or whatever. Like if I could just be like in the music industry and have that pay my bills, that's the dream for me. I, yeah. I would, I would, I would do that in a heartbeat. Um, wake up one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Um, we followed each other for a while. I actually don't know his name, but we engage a lot and I really should reach out to him one day and figure out what his name is. Um, because his, his Twitter Avi is a dog. So I think he's going out of his way to remain anonymous, which shout out to you, man. Actually great move. Um, he asks favorite new album that you've listened to and would recommend. Um, I will say it is a, it is a compilation, uh, between, or, um, uh, two artists, uh, Pharaoh Sanders, the, legendary jazz saxophonist um you know he's really really up there in age but he recorded this with an ambient electronic uh music producer called floating points who is one of my favorite ambient producers uh they came out with an album called promises a couple of months ago i'm gonna tell you guys it is not for everybody it is not but they recorded this album with the london symphony and it is one of the most beautiful pieces of music i have ever heard in my entire life um you need to have headphones on you need to listen to it because there's a lot of really really soft tones going on um, like I said, just the pairing of a classically trained jazz saxophonist who is legendary in the jazz world with an ambient electronic, you know, newer, younger, he's like our age, Bubba, uh, you know, electronic ambient producer. And on top of this, they coordinate this with the London Orchestra. It is it is incredible. Is it is such it is a beautiful, beautiful album. So that's that's my pick for that. Um, have you listened to anything recently that you'd like no, to recommend no. old, new? I'm horrible at music. Like I have my old stuff I listen to, but it's pretty much podcast in my truck all day. So I'm, I'm, I am very bad for the music questions. Whenever you listen to music, like, are, are you just like putting on like the radio or are you, are you on Spotify or are you in Pandora? Like, what do you do? It's like, it depends. Like sometimes I'll just go, I have, I have satellite radio in my truck. So I'll listen to those stations or um, mm-hmm. like when we're golfing and stuff, we just put Pandora on. We either, we either go on the Metallica station, um, okay. 80s rock, or we do 80s hip hop and R&B. That seems to be really? like our, our go-tos. Oh, we love, like, I can sit and rap to you, like, old 80s and early 90s rap. Like, people make fun of me for it all the time. All right. I, can, okay. I can rap out. So, yeah. No shit. Uh, all right. Yeah, so that, that's where we go to depend on the mood we're in. But, yeah, we'll, we'll Pandora it during those days. Dope. Uh, Wake Up also asks, is there really any dark? Another word, uh, I'm sorry. In other words, is dark real or is it just a lack of light? Like, is there only <laughs> light and not light? I love this question. And so deep. I, so deep. <laughs> I, I, I know that like whenever you like, I know that black is the, it is, it contains every single color on, yep. on, on the spectrum. Right. Yep. But also I know that light is uh, photons. It's actual energy, right? Mm-hmm. It's both a wavelength and it's energy. So like I'm long story short, I don't know. I don't know. And then we have dark energy that comes into all of this and we have to account for that. And, you know, it makes up like 68% of the universe and we can't see it. So I refuse to believe anything because we don't know anything right now. We probably never will know. I lean on the side of it's not just the lack of something. I think there's something there too that we don't understand. True. 
Um, Good answer. Our buddy, our buddy Ryan Rayburn at Ryan RPO five. He asks Yancey if Brett Phillips and a Rachel McAdams gift were hanging <laughs> from a cliff, who would you save? Um, I know Brett easy Phillips answer. is a real human being, but give me the gift. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's, that's an easy answer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, whenever Brett Phillips learns to hit over 200, like we'll talk, you know what I mean? <laughs> Um, but uh, uh, you said you agree with me, so that's good. Yes. We're on a we're in lockstep there. Uh, Ryan Bloomfield, um, another uh, great guy and a award-winning writer, um, mm-hmm. FSWA Writer of the Year. Yeah, um, new, he uh, says second, new. He just had a second child, or his wife had their second child. So yeah, he was there. Day. He was involved. We assume yes. he was. Yeah, uh, he was part part of the problem there. No, he had something to do with it. Uh, he asked, uh, "What did Yancey do during his Twitter vacation?" Uh, that was followed up by Jock Thompson at Jock at HQ. Uh, saying I'm shocked he's back with this housing market. Um, yeah, I just took some time to myself. Had a bunch of stuff going on in my personal life. Um, things are looking up. Only so much stress you can handle in the world. Sometimes you have to eliminate things. Addition by subtraction. Uh, I feel like I'm in a better spot. Um, Bubba, what did you do during my Twitter vacation? How did you cope? Um, I mean, I'm sure you were fielding lots of questions from people wondering where I was. It was just like a huge PR nightmare for you. Like, are you okay? I was so lost. I had to text you and make sure you're okay. I checked in on you. Um, I needed someone to make me laugh and smile. But other than that, I just, you know, did all my podcasts and played with my daughter and only so much time in the day. But I, I did I did check in and I, and I barbecued and sent you barbecue pictures. So you got mm-hmm. all that good stuff, too. So, yeah. You've been throwing down with grill, by the way. Like, um, yeah. I, I don't know if you guys know this, but Bubba does a bunch of fundraising events and stuff for their local golf course. I, I assume it's some sort of community, like co-op golf course or something like that. But, um, like, you're not cooking for, you know, 10, 15 people at a barbecue. You're cooking for five, six, 700 people. Like yeah. that's it, nuts. It's actually, we use the golf course as a spot. Sometimes it's actually a, a philanthropic, philanthropic organization. I'm a part of, we raise money for kids in the area and other things. So it's a, uh, we like people hire us to basically cater is what it comes down to, or we do mm-hmm. barbecues just to raise money and sell tickets to it. And uh, yeah, it's, it's wild. We did a, a couple for 4th of July. We uh, sold 1100 ribs takeout tickets. So we did like Jesus. well over like 300 racks of ribs. That was fun. So yeah, it was a good time. Where do you guys buy the ribs from? Like Costco or something? No, it depends on the place. This place we got a deal at like a grocery a grocery place. But most of the time there's a couple of butchers in the area that give us some deals and we call them. They order it from like some place in the Midwest. And yeah, Dope. it's wild. Um, we also had another question from Gialdi. Uh, he said, who are your top three pods for draft season and in season? If it's a different answer, um, I'm a little biased. I'm going to say bench with Bubba. I think it's the best <laughs> Bubba and flip. You guys, honestly, you guys, this podcast is great. It's the best of both worlds. Like you've, you've like, I don't think you give yourself enough credit. Like you're basically like right there with like all the other analysts because like you've, you've caught up so much as far as like, you know, understanding and communicating advanced statistics. Like you used to just be very much like, yeah, I'm just kind of like, you know, this is what I see, but like you caught up like in a huge, huge way. And now you're, you're right there with, with the greats. And then obviously, you know, Toby as a high stakes crusher, like you guys, I feel like both sides are represented of like a, you're like an every man's player where it's like, you're, you're playing home leagues, you're playing regular leagues, you're dabbling in NFBC. You're kind of, dipping your toes and you know the last couple of years i've steadily been kind of increasing my exposure in nfbc and i'm kind of moving over to where most of my actions there so like i'm kind of like in an in-between and it's nice to hear your take on things and it actually kind of keeps me grounded because sometimes we do end up being so hyper focused on just one game variant on just nfbc or just 10 teamers or just you know so it's nice to have that mix and you guys' show kind of applies to everybody i appreciate it 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you have anything else you'd like to say while I stall so I can find the rest of the uh, the, the tweets? <laughs> it, well, it it sounds bad. It's just it's just like you mentioned uh, other podcasts. It's it's the usual suspects for me. Um, there's a lot of great ones out there, and I try to listen to most of them. But when it all comes down to it, you listen to Sleeper on the Bus, you listen to Rates and Barrels, you like you, you listen to the usual suspects. But uh, there's tons of great ones. I have them all on my phone because the one thing I always recommend. At least you can download them all if you don't listen to them because you're helping people out by doing that. Yep. So do yep. that. Little, little secret behind the veil. Um, while yeah. I continue to stall while my internet just decides to just be super slow right before we finish. Um, yeah, I subscribe to your feed and and Toby's feed mm-hmm. and both of them get downloaded. Yeah. And sometimes yours is a little longer for some reason or sometimes his is. And I just end up listening to the one that's a little bit shorter. That's it. That's the secret. Yep. No, <laughs> but I, 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 yeah. I always do that. It's 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 a nice way to help people out because we don't have time to listen to all the podcasts. But if you could at least download them all, it goes a long ways. All right, nice nice job stalling. I actually really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, I also understand now why we got that question about Brett Phillips. It's because that was the My gift. gift that you chose to use. <laughs> um, so uh, very quickly, Bretsky Ball says YTF, which uh, this is a family show, so I'll just say YTF is there only one game on Thursday. Spoiler, uh, Bretsky, yeah. uh, there's no games. Uh, so yeah, also really nice job by Major League Baseball, just completely just screwing with the schedule so much to where like major events, like I, they they can't write the schedule to save them lives, their lives. I'll just say that much. Um, Lucas Lucas Beery thirty three says it's a little early for this, but let's go for it anyways. Who is a player you'll be all over in twenty twenty two drafts, and conversely, a fade that you will be avoiding. Um, I will be all over. Who will I be all over? Do you have somebody that comes to mind while I, uh, while I also think? Well, the way you mentioned he'll go in the second or third round, I'll probably be all over Juan Soto again. I'll buy into yep. that one in a heartbeat because yep. like that's one of those you just you buy the dip in 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 a, in a big way. So I'd be all over him. I like that one a lot. Um, man, I can't think of anything. I know this is like really compelling radio. Um, we, I got a lot of questions after I went to bed, and I obviously I hadn't looked at them again until now. So, Lucas, I'm sorry it is a little too early. Um, we're both going to say Juan Soto because I feel like he does fall out of the, the first round, and that's just going to be – I mean, even if it's only just a one-round value. And also, I don't know where Cedric Mullins' ADP yeah, ends up landing. Yeah. But if that power-speed combo translates throughout the rest of this year, like, count me in. I'm going to be buying. Yeah. So th- there's a name that's going to shoot up on the on the draft boards. Um. All right, uh, Mike Carter, our buddy at uh, MDRC0508, says, what's the best record you heard in the first half of 2021? Um, I think I just answered that question. Um, I'm really good at what I do. Um, Our buddy, Draft Buddy, at Draft Buddy, he says, can anyone catch Deadpool hitter uh, Rob DiPietro in our TGFBI league? I mentioned this before. Rob is completely dusting the league. He has like 135 points. It is unbelievable. Um, no, I don't see anybody catching him because he just makes sharp moves. He doesn't overbid on players. He doesn't miss things. He doesn't have hurt players starting in his lineups. He plays matchups. He's just, I mean, he's just a killer. He's an absolute crusher. The dude player. just arrived on the scene. Yeah. Single bullet takes down the freaking, you know, the draft champions overall. He's just an amazing player. So no, I don't think anybody catches him. I'm going to be happy to finish third in that league. Yeah, real quick, you want to know how just how good Rob's doing? Besides his many leagues, he's probably dominating. And we have the mm-hmm. Battle of the Podcast League, and um, I'm second place. I'm very proud of that. But uh, well done. He, he's he's first. And um, let me let me. I'm pulling it up here for you. I have 108 points. He has 128.5. Yeah. It's, it's, a D, it's a DC <laughs> format, which is not fair because he has won the overall DC. But it's like, yep. I'm, I'm happy to be in second. But I'm sitting there going, 
for the next three yeah. months, huh? <laughs> you just have to throw your hands up because and, yeah. and, you know what's so frustrating about uh, I say frustrating, like he's a fantastic player. Obviously, we want to win too, but like he's not the player that's going to let up. He's not no. going to make mistakes or take his foot off the pedal and say like, "Oh, I'm good to go." Like, no, homeboy is still putting in the the work. And let that be a lesson to the listeners. And we can close with this: it's just, um, it is such an incredibly long season. Um, we have 44, 45 percent of the season left. Um, ratios can change in a hurry. You can think that you're completely out of it, and then all of a sudden, you know, three three players that you're going against, uh, you know, three owners have starting pitchers that give up six or seven earned runs and you have two pitchers that pitch a complete game shutout. And next thing you know, you're right back in it. Um, crazier things have happened, you know? So just as, as frustrating as it is. And I, I felt this a little bit with the Scott fishbowl. Um, I got invited to it, which I wasn't expecting was not prepared for it at all. I'm, I'm afraid that I'm going to embarrass myself, but um, it was really difficult trying to transition to football. But just remember, like you said, this Bubba, it's all about time management knowing what your priorities are. Is it important that you do good in your leagues? Are you a grinder and you absolutely want to do the best that you possibly can? Um, then you need to set aside time for that and, and kind of prepare for that. And, you know, just keep putting in competitive bids, keep looking at your team and checking it throughout the week. But um, now that my lecture is complete, thank you for having me back on. This has been a pleasure. I'm really oh, proud of us. So this is the second time in, in the last, you know, what, four or five months that we've done this together. So I like the idea that we're getting we're getting our, our vibe going a little yeah. bit here. So um, maybe I'll be off and you know I'll come back on you know whenever the Rays games or something like that. We can you know we we can celebrate together. We can make predictions or whatever. But thank you so much for having me. Thank you for letting me do this. It's been kind of nice to take a you know a little step back and then come back and 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 be able to talk to you about baseball. No problem. The door is always open, as I've told you many times. Literally, Yancey texts me and goes, "Hey." I'm ready to come back on the show. What's available? I pulled my phone out. I said, I got these dates. Okay, sounds good. I'm like, the door yeah. is always open for Yancey. Eden. He's not just a yeah. friend of everybody's on Twitter. He's a friend of mine. So it's uh, I love chatting with them. It's always a pleasure, my friend. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll do it again. It was fun to kind of look back. It'll be fun to look back again when the season's over and see just how wrong we really were. But um, it, it's fun to get that kind of mid, mid-season refresher. You mentioned like people don't need to give up yet. You still have like three months, basically, or two and a half months. Um, you just chip away a couple, you know, home runs here and there, a couple runs over that period of time. It adds up quickly. You'll be surprised. You can't make it all yep. up at once. But you can make it up along the way. So try all that fun stuff. Um, we'll get Yancey back on the show here again sooner than later. But uh, I'll say this. If the Rays yeah. win the world, if the Rays go to the World Series, we'll do a Rays cast. We'll get Colette yes. on and we'll uh, maybe I'm Mike Warner can on. come on, too. And we'll we'll do a Rays cast. We'll party. I'll, I'll get I'll get a <laughs> I'll get a jersey or something. We'll, we'll have all kinds of fun. We'll, we'll, we'll live right. it up. Cause I'm like, I'm like a closet Rays fan. People know that by now. So yep. we'll, we'll have fun with that. But anyway, check out Yancey on Twitter at, on Twitter at Yancey Eaton. And uh, I'm at BDN. Give a podcast, a rate and review on iTunes, but we'll be back with you guys next week. This was Bench with Bubba episode 386. Catch y'all later.